It's not over yet. Okay. Oh, God, we have two great speakers, um, both from the Los Angeles area, because, you know, we aren't just Northern California. We're from all around. And just for the speakers to know, Mike is your timer, and he's sitting right here, so he's going to hold up signs to give you warnings. So our first speaker is someone I've known, God, I don't even, what is it, 30-something years? 30-something years. 20, well, all right, 20, no, almost 30. Okay, since he was, well, if I tell them I don't know how old you are, <laughs> 45. Uh, I didn't say that. <laughs> since he was 16, and I was a lot younger, too, and um, we've been really good friends for a long, long time, and that's one of the joys of this program. It's, um, it's part of the joys of doing service, and it's also, you know, the joy of coming back. If you keep coming back, you get to know people, and then you get to know them better, and then you get to know them better, and then you get to watch them as they evolve in their life and have, get married and have children and grow in their careers and grow in their recovery, and it's, it's such a joy to, to have that as a part of my life. So um, I, and I'm blessed to have David as a part of my life, and I'm honored to uh, introduce him to you. So please join me in welcoming David. I am David, compulsive reader, and I'm all emotional now. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, it's so funny. Uh, I was thinking when they asked me to speak, I didn't really think about it too much. I, I, my life is very busy. And when I came up here, all of a sudden I go from going 100 miles an hour in my life to when we came up Friday morning to just everything's relaxed and calm and we take, took a nap and a walk and dinner early and, and the meetings and stuff. And all of a sudden, since Friday, I've been nervous about uh, speaking here at the closing and what am I going to say. And, uh, you know, I've been involved with Region and, and I've been on committees and I know you, we try and get speakers that are funny and have a great story and inspirational. And I know too much. So it's, you know, all these expectations. So I've got to put that out there that I just it's all ego and it's. I'm here for me and hopefully to, to just be a service and whatever you get, you get. And, and this, this is good for me to share my story because I've been coming to OA 30 years plus a few weeks. And uh, if I forget where I come from, my, my disease, I believe, is doing push-ups out there. And it's just once I could be out there. It would be gradual. It wouldn't be, I don't think, for me, it would be overnight. But... I could easily think I I could easily forget what my where my disease could bring me back, and so it, I just need to do that. Um, and I was thinking about what I was going to say and what Susie shared. I think I completely want to change the direction of what I was planning to talk about. Um, I was going to tell you what it used to be like, what happened, and what it's like now, which I will real briefly. But uh, I want to talk about Susan. And, and not just Susan, but the friends, and there are so many people in this room that my path, my path has crossed over the years. And I have friends all, literally all over the world. I've been to Australia, Israel, Europe, um, everywhere in this country. And there's always people that I've connected with at conventions, at meetings, from my home group, 
through email that know me better than most people in my family and that we have a closeness. With Susan, I, I was in OA a year. The reason I know it's 29 years, I went to a LA intergroup, had a, a day at the park or something, and there were meetings at the park, and, and, uh, and I remember like it was yesterday, and I remember going on the swing, you know, being 16 years old and going on the swing, and Susie was right on a swing next to me, and another friend said, this is my friend Susie, and 29 years later, we're still friends, and our lives, we go in and out through service and through things, and, and, and we're close, and, and that's what this program is about. That's what this program, building a fellowship that keeps us on this path because my disease would want to take the easier, softer way. And it's through the people and, and, uh, and a higher power and the steps and tools and all that that just, it's a miracle. My, I have to remember that. Uh, there's been a lot of stuff in my life that has gone on. Um, a lot of things that make me question what God is. Is there a God? Um, and then I remember all the things that have happened. It's not intellectually, I can't prove that there's a higher power. I can't, and I can't explain it to anybody, but I just know my experience. And I can't deny my experiences. And there's too many things that uh, when I talk about it, it's like, how could I think there's not a higher power when I, when I recount all the things that have happened? Um, just briefly, I'll try and do it in like five minutes. Some of you have probably never heard me and many others have. Uh, I have been a compulsive overeater from the time I was born. I, I can never remember a time that weight and food were not an issue. I was a fat, chubby baby. I always felt different. And I always, and, and I always thought it was my weight uh, that made me different and and. And I always felt unloved, unlovable, stupid, unsuccessful. I, I, I always, I mean, and, and I can remember too, being two and three years old and feeling like nobody wants to play with me. I can remember nursery school, and, and this is how I know I'm a compulsive overeater. There were certain days at snack time they served crackers, and I would get very upset because there was nothing to look forward to. But if it was cookies, and I knew there was cookies, I was hyper. I was, I was going because I had something to look forward to. When you're like that at uh, three and four years old, you know you're a compulsive overeater. You know, when food was my higher power, uh, food did it. I, uh, I also believed growing up that if things changed, if the outside changed, my insides would change. And I never, you know, this program helped me change my insides and then the outsides changed. But I remember I was an only child and, and I grew up, my grandmother died when I was a year and me and my, gra my grandfather came to live with us. And, and at the time, you know, now I look back and think I was really lucky to have a grandfather that loved me. I was the first. He, he had been, he came to this country at the turn of the century. He had six children that he worked two jobs so he never saw his children grow up. By the time he had grandchildren, they lived all over the world, and he never saw them. And I was the first grandchild. Incredibly emotional. That's okay. It comes out when it comes out. Anyway, I, I was blessed, but I didn't see it as a kid. I just thought I'm an only child. I, you know, 
I just didn't feel that love, and I needed the food. I had it. Now I can be through inventories and work in this program, and that's why I can be emotional now about it. I have that love, but I didn't feel it. I didn't feel I was lucky. I felt I was a deprived child because I, at that time I was an only child. And, uh, and, things, and, and when I was five, my brother was born, and that didn't fix it. You know, I thought that would fix it, but he just lay there. You know, he, just, he, wasn't, he wasn't a playmate. I had the same reaction when my children were born. You know, you look forward, maybe, especially as a father, it's maybe different. You're like waiting for the children to come, and then they come and they just sleep all the time. That, that was the same reaction. I had, uh, so, so that didn't fix it. And we moved to a new neighborhood. And it was the first time I had friends when I was five years old. There was all these friends. And that didn't fix it. And, and soon, if somebody looked at me funny, I just hated myself so much. I knew that I was, as soon as somebody didn't talk to me once, I never, I could never face them again. And we lived in an area of lots of children. And by the time I was six or seven, I had had a falling out with everybody. And my world was my house. Going to school, coming home, eating, playing, eating, watching TV, eating, you know. Um, and, and two, this is what's different with abstinence and uh, compulsive overeating. I enjoy my meals. I'm still a compulsive overeater. I look forward. I still sometimes obsess over meals. Um, think about where we're going to go to dinner, you know. Thinking about where I'm going to go for lunch today. But, but it's... Uh, Anyway, it's still, I'm a compulsive overeater. But I enjoy my meals. I eat healthy. I, I don't hurt myself. That's my absence. You know, I eat in a way, uh, I make mistakes. Sometimes meals are bigger than they should be or it's foods that don't agree with me at times. But that's my absence is to eat, to not eat like it's a drug and not hurt myself. Uh, but when I was growing up, I, I just, I had to, I mean, being a compulsive overeater, I had to. I had to fill that inside, and nothing filled it. It felt empty, and I needed it so because I hated myself. And so food was the drug like the drip. I didn't binge on whole half gallons of ice creams or whole cakes or whole bags, but I always had to have food, a sliver of this, a slice of that, go back to the kitchen, volunteer. I never helped my mom clean, or, or clean up or anything, or do things around the house except clean the kitchen table because that's how I could get the real food. So while I was eating dinner, my point is, I never enjoyed dinner because I was thinking of how much food was left over and how much I could sneak. And then while I was doing that, I was thinking how much I could take in my room. And in the morning, you know, I usually skip breakfast because, God, I was so stuffed and sick. And then lunch, I could eat double because I didn't eat breakfast. And then I could have a snack. And then I used to think, well, uh, Thrifty's, that was a, a drugstore that had an ice cream thing for a nickel. If, if I take a walk, it's three blocks away. I could burn the calories. You know, that was older thinking. When I was young, I didn't realize about calories. And I didn't realize the food was the weight. And I thought I'd always be fat and miserable. Um, anyway, so absence is not like that. But that's how I, that's how what it was for me. I didn't realize I could lose weight until I, when I was 10 years old. When I turned 10 years old, my father uh, took me to Israel. He, he was a Holocaust survivor and uh, had only one surviving sister. And, and they both had lived in Israel. And his oldest nephew was getting married. And he took me uh, with him. Uh, he took me with him to Israel. My parents had a business and my mom stayed home with my brother and the business and I got to go. 
and I lost weight. My dad controlled my food. You know, we were in Europe, too, for two weeks, and he, we just ate once a day and walked around all the time, which was hard because I was, I, I was heavier than I am now and, and wore sizes bigger than I wear today. At, when they were shopping for the trip, I was nine years old. I was, I, I was a tremendous, I mean, I was heading to be a 100-pounder plus. People, I, I'm a short, you know, sort of small-build person, but when I was a kid, people thought I was going to be a big football player, a big, hus, you know, husky football player. Um, anyway, on that trip, I did lose weight, and, and my aunt would serve me food that, that I didn't understand, and, um, and I lost weight. And she tried to force me to eat because a fat kid meant you survived, you know, with what she had been through. She had a sister die in her arms uh, of malnutrition. So she thought I looked great, and she was going to send me to my, back to my mom fatter to prove she loved me. So I rebelled. Uh, and I did lose weight, and then I went to a, a camp when I came home for a month, and I lost some more weight, and that was started my career as a dieting because I realized I could lose weight. And what happened was, after losing a little bit of weight that summer, I started gaining rap more rapidly that deprivation that every Monday, every Sunday is a binge because I'm going to start a new diet on Monday, and I never made it a day or two. The longest I ever dieted was until Thursday or I, I don't ever make it, remember making it to even Friday. And the weekends were always going to be free days. I always knew that. But I, 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 don't, I never went two weeks in a row on a diet. Uh, never could make it. That was how my dieting was. It was just white knuckle, you know, teeth grinding dieting. Uh, uh, and I picked the most strict diet. I remember I did the, I think it was Atkins at the time, with the eight glasses of water. And all the protein you could eat, my mom would say, I'll cook you this steak and I'll cook you that. And, and I'd start being a compulsive reader. I'd get all thrilled about all the food my mom was going to cook me. And then uh, a day or two later, I couldn't make it anymore. And I'd eat one piece of bread or one piece of fruit that was not on the plan on purpose so I could eat everything I wanted. That was like the release valve. You know, I needed that release valve. Anyway, I'll... Uh, in 1973, when I was 12, my mom had found a way. We, we binged a lot together um, and took me to a few meetings, and it really was not for me. Um, I couldn't fathom them not having food in my life. Went three more years through junior high school, and then uh, in 1976, my mom was on a comeback. There was a big OA convention in L.A. at the time that got my mom going to more OA meetings and had success for about a month. And, uh, and then she told me about a team meeting, and I went in June 1976, and I've been coming ever since. I didn't think I, and at that time, you know, I was the heaviest physically, but I was probably only 45, 50 pounds overweight. I had been 60, 70, 80 pounds overweight earlier. So I was going through puberty. It wasn't that I was losing weight, but I was going through puberty at 15 years old. And, and, uh, um, Anyway, so I came, I made fun. The meetings were not like adult meetings. We just, there was about six of us sat around, all teenagers, one adult uh, leader, and we just sat around talking. It was more like therapy or like fellowship. But it worked because there's still people from that meeting. There's at least one that I think still goes to OA, you know, and, and, and there were lots of people that went through that meeting that are still around these rooms. 
It worked for us. It was a fellowship. It was people we could relate to. It was. It didn't have to be the formal OA like we thought. But I didn't think I was part of it, by the way. I mean, I count that as when I came in, but I was just going because my mom told me about this meeting. I wasn't going to stay. Um, when I started high school that September, a few months later, I started binging at the student store, and I did ask at the meeting how do I could stop. And that's when I date my absence, October 76, because the leader of the meeting said, why don't you call somebody and tell them what you're going to eat, and that way you'll commit and you won't eat the cookies and candies at the student store. And that's how I date my absence. It wasn't like I was going to go on the food plan that my mom had been on, or it wasn't a diet, it wasn't I'm going to lose weight. I just wanted to stop gaining weight at that point. And, you know, and again, and I'm sharing my story is different. Sometimes I feel inadequate because people have much stronger programs or rigid, different absence, and it works for them, And but this has worked for me, you know, and it's only my story. It's not that it's good. I wish I could do it different, but this is how I've done it for 30 years. So it, it's slow. You know, I should be a lot further after 30 years, but I'm here, you know, and my life's pretty good. I'm going to talk the last five minutes about, um, I'll go one more minute into really what happened. I eventually uh, started calling in my food. Later, I was told to get a sponsor. It took me almost a year. I got a sponsor. I thought he he was the leader of that meeting, and I thought, he can't like everybody. And if he can't like everybody, that's how I felt about myself, that it must be me who he doesn't like. Because nobody can like everybody. So it must. And eventually he became my sponsor. And he had me write an inventory, and it took me six months, nine months to write that inventory. I was never going to work the steps like my mom had talked about. And that's what I needed. I needed to do it slow. I need to be here after 30 years. That's, I mean, it's needed to get where I am. It's taken 30 years. Some are sicker than others. So, uh, but I needed, I needed, uh, you know, eventually to give that inventory away and, and continue the steps. Um, I was brought up Jewish and I found no spirituality, you know, in my religion at that time. Um, and I learned later, and, and I didn't believe in God when I came to OA. That was one of the things my mom said, oh, I now believe in a higher power, even if OA doesn't help me with my weight. I didn't believe in a higher power. I didn't think the Holocaust could happen and all the horrible things. My grandfather died when I was eight years old, um, which I'll talk about in a minute. And um, I just, there couldn't be a God. And a year later, after I'd been in OA for a year, I was driving to a meeting with somebody, a bunch of teens in the car. Somebody was speaking in Long Beach. And one of the people, I think the lady driving, said, how could any of us not believe in a higher power when we've all lives in the last year have transformed? We're all miracles. And that was my spiritual experience. I didn't know what God was, but there had to be a higher power that from having no friends, from hating myself, in a year my life had turned around. Dramatically, And the weight was only 25 pounds maybe I lost. Um, you know, it wasn't that it was that, um, but something changed, you know, and, and slowly. And today, I just want to talk the last few minutes about today. Um, I found out, this is a reason also I'm very emotional. I have an aunt that lived with us most of my life growing up. She took care of my mom when my mom was sick, my dad after my mom died. Uh, and then... Five, almost six years ago, my aunt just disappeared. Her ex-husband had a stroke. Her daughter had some problems, and she just disappeared. And we found, and anyway, and this week also on Wednesday, we took, I took the day off of work. My daughter went away to a sleepover camp. And my daughter's been away a couple of years ago. She's, I have twin nine-year-olds. But 
it was very emotional for me. And, I, and my daughter's the type that just loves to talk to me. And we just have a, a relationship that's all based on this program that I can be loving. And she knows she's loved by both of us. Uh, but anyway, so we were talking in the night before. I told her about that my grandfather died the day I went to camp. And I was eight years old like her. And, and we talked about it. And I started, and it was very emotional to see her go away. And she went to a, she was going to Camp Hess Kramer, which I've been to OA retreats there. I went with my synagogue there. Just brings up it. Through my kids, I'm reliving my childhood a lot in a positive way. All the stuff I didn't go through, I feel like I'm going through with my kids. And it was very emotional. And then as soon as we dropped her off, we got a call from my cousin that we think my aunt's passed away. And this is the aunt that's estranged, and we never had a – she never called us back. She never, in six years, from somebody who was like a mother to me, just to disappear. And it was the last trace of my parents. My parents had both been gone for quite a while. And so it's just been bringing up a lot of stuff the last few days. And it's been a good place to be at this convention, you know, to be able to feel it. And, and then yesterday I had a, another cousin from my mom's side also lives up here. Her husband had died and we were spent the afternoon. She had a party in honor of her husband. So it's just been a lot of stuff. That's why. I'm, but it's good. You know, this program, this is some horrible things, but this program, there's hope that nothing's horrible. The worst things are not horrible. Um, want to share real quick too about uh, about Father's Day. Tell you, I have twin twin. Like I said, they're going to be nine in September. My son is uh, autistic, and um, my daughter's just I say perfect, not perfect because she's just a normal kid, just social and loving and everything I could want a kid. And when she's not good, it's just good. It, I always think it's good parent practicing and program practicing so it's just you know it's just different and my son is just a handful I didn't think because both me and my wife were older having these kids and our lives were set you know could we handle kids let alone twins and then to find out our son was autistic and he's a handful he's not a autistic that sits in a corner and some of you have met him he's all over the place you know and I like my alone time I'm you know I've learned in this program I like myself I like myself I like being by myself sometimes I like being with people. And my son, it's, you know, in the morning, you know, everybody, I'm awake, you're awake. You know, and how do you spell this? And, but what it is is, and, and I heard a speaker yesterday talk about that uh, her daughter being autistic was perfect. And what I've come to, you know, that's the worst thing to have a handicapped child, I thought, was, you know, would be the worst thing in the world. And I don't like it. You know, my son, I don't like the way my son is. It's very difficult. I, I would like things to have been different. And, and my daughter, you know, talks a lot about it. But what this program has given me is I love him. He is, I was telling my wife, I miss him more than my daughter this weekend because he's our entertainment. He is so, he is so strange that we just make fun of him with him and laugh and he's fun. And, 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 and I, like, I, and I've had these discussions with my daughter. Our lives would be so boring without him. I couldn't imagine. And I like my life today, and I've come to the point that God doesn't make mistakes, so there's a reason he's in our life. And there's a reason if he wasn't there, there'd be so many things we would have missed, and so many people, and situations. And we, we went to Israel with them, uh, December, January, and we didn't know, we hadn't taken them since they were four, and, 
I didn't think he could, he can't sit in a car for an hour. He tells us how to drive. You know, it's, you have to get off here and he starts screaming. I thought, what's he going to do on the plane? So we have to land and, you know, he, I don't know, that kid did it. That's, I, that's how I know there's a God. The kid sat in the plane, they didn't have the food he liked, they didn't have the movies in the, in the screen. We had promised him there'd be movies in the seats, there wasn't. And he survived and we survived. And it was just like the, one of the best trips we ever had. And we used to go to Israel a lot. My wife's sister lives there and my cousins I'm close to and a lot of OA friends. So we, we used to go a lot. And that was a part of my life I thought with kids I might lose, especially with an autistic child. And I was just one of the best trips because he enjoyed it, he loved it. And to just feel that God didn't took us, you know, that know that God was with us. And, and I wouldn't have enjoyed that trip as much if it was just regular kids. You know, I really wouldn't. It would just, because my daughter, I take things for granted, you know, uh, with. I got a Father's Day card from both my kids. And I don't like I love you and the touchy. I just, and my parents were like that to me. I can blame my parents for a lot of dysfunction, but they always showed love. But I just have a hard time with that. And I have kids, both of them, my daughter's just in love with me. And it's okay that I can be the kind of person to just let her be that way. And to say it with humility, not because of me, I'm just, I can be what she needs me to be. And, and, and uh, she wrote me a card, and I would say, don't just say, why do you love me? You know, don't, and, and she put a card, all the things, and they're all true. You sit and talk to me. We have walks. We go places together. You take me. And it just made me feel that the recovery I've gotten, that I could be there, and I don't always want to do it. I'm not a kid person always, but I can do it. Uh, and then my son, a day later, he forgot to give it to me. I got it the next day. And this is a kid that couldn't talk until about a year or two ago. And he wrote me a letter and it said, Dad, I love you. And if he says it, he usually means it. I mean, because he doesn't say what he doesn't. But his thing was, you bought me this, you bought me that. And you know, that's, that's how he could, that's how I, he can relate to me. You know, and I can do it and I can be, I'm 45. And, and, you know, I, I'm jealous of 35, but I'm 45, and I don't know where my life went, you know, and, but I can be grateful that I exercise almost every day. I don't know where I got that. It's taken 30 years. It's not part of my, it's not part of the OA program, but it's part of my program. It's part of what I commit to my sponsor. Yeah, I call a sponsor after 30 years, and this I'll wrap it up. I still call a sponsor once a week. I go to two meetings a week usually. I, I commit to meditate every day. I'm not perfect. I, I exercise that. I try and exercise six out of seven days a week. I don't, and it's 20 minutes, not, not two hours, 20 minutes. You know, if I get, if it's a luxury, if I'm on vacation or I do it after the kids go to sleep, I get an hour. But 20 minutes is the minimum. I try and walk every day. I've lost my teeth. That's part of the discipline that this program has given me. Um, but, but I can, where was this going? Oh, in my, with my kids that I'm 45 years old, I take them biking sometimes on the weekend. We go for a couple of hours and I can physically do it. I couldn't, my daughter, think about camp, I couldn't walk up the mountains. I would be wheezing and so fat. I couldn't do it. I, I take them hiking. My kids can't keep up with me. I'll be honest with you, that, you know, that I can be this physical shape. I don't know. I could drop dead of a heart attack tomorrow. I don't know what tomorrow brings. But for today, and I don't know, I could go out and eat tomorrow. I don't know. But for 30 years, I thank God because I've had a wonderful life. All the things, all the tragedies, losing parents, you know, having uh, miscarriages, having a niece die. All, I've had a lot. 
And do you know what? The good and the bad, I've had the hope, the, the light at the end of the tunnel, you know. And, and, and I love the theme of this convention, you know. Uh, it's just because it reminds me of being lighthearted and, and that life is like, you know, a song and sweet music. You know, it's just like that. And it just goes, and, and even the bad times, the people in this room and my family have gotten me through, you know, some horrible, horrible times. You know, that you people have carried me so I didn't have to eat over it. You know, and a lot of times it's not the tragedies. It's after. During them I don't feel like eating. It's after. You know, when, and, 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 and also I just want to say about reentry. You know, this weekend is coming to a close and it's been wonderful. And we're going to go home and I, I'm going to have to deal with my son who's going to be upset we were away for three days. Um, the house is going to be messy. There's going to be laundry to do. I've also been in the program when I've had to come home and be alone. Nobody was there, and that let down. And, and I've just learned that after all these times that, you know, I've been to conventions and, and retreats, and you can take it with you. This weekend will never happen again, we have, and I've learned to cherish every day, because this day will never happen again. The exact people here, the things will never happen again, but there'll be other things. And I can take what I got in these rooms and take it to my life. I remember, you know, being at work and really upset that a convention was over this many years ago and thinking, but what did I really enjoy at the convention? Whatever I, maybe I can take that into my work. And I remember taking a walk at work and just reconnected with the feelings that I had at that convention. And you can do it. And that's, I just want to share, just be prepared because you, you go back to reality and it sucks for, for a few minutes. And that's just normal, you know, but it can come back. What we get here comes back. Anyway, thank you so much for listening and supporting me and loving me. Thank you. Thank you so much, David. Well, our second speaker today has done a tremendous amount of service for our region, and you've seen her around, and she's always here, and she helped me in the beginnings of our convention planning, and I've never actually heard her speak, so I'm really thrilled to, to welcome Pamela W. Hi, my name's Pam, and I'm a compulsive overeater. Hi. Hi. Oh, God, you all look so beautiful and radiant and loving, and um, I'm so grateful to be here. And I want to say thank you so much for Susan for asking me to speak. Um, this is one of my 18 favorite ways of doing service. <laughs> Approximately. Okay. So... Um, Let's do the numbers. Um, I've been, I have 12 years and two months of abstinence. Um, by the grace of God, by the grace of God, my higher power and my program and, and all of you. Um, my top weight was 220. My bottom weight was 120, which... To you might not seem to be anorexic, but I weigh 150 right now, and so just imagine 30 pounds less, and um, 
You know, that's the way I was. And I got to experience every part of this disease. I am a compulsive overeater. Food is my drug of choice. But I have done everything with my food. I have gone 90 days on herb teas. I have done um, under 500 calories a day for months. Um, I have succeeded at every diet out there twice. And then I just lost it. I just couldn't do anything else. Um, I, I, I'm a really good binger. I, my purging, I, it took me about four years in program to realize that I had bulimic tendencies. I just thought I was really uh, paying attention to my health and doing a lot of colon cleansing. <laughs> but I did get on the scale. Okay, not every time I blew my nose, but it was really close to that, okay? You know, I can tell you what everything weighs before, while it's in, after it left. I mean, it's really boring, but I have all those facts and figures if you want them. Okay, so I got to do all of this disease. Um, in, before I came, when I did my first first step, I looked at my eating behavior and I noticed that, and I wrote down every diet I went on and what I weighed before and what I weighed after. I did my first diet when I was at 10 years old. I didn't know what was wrong with my life, but I felt like if I could just lose five pounds, I would feel okay. And that was pears and cottage cheese. And since then, until I got in program, I gained and lost 685 pounds. So, now, that being said, food is just, I am a compulsive fill-in-the-blank. You could just put them right up here, okay? Godiva, uh, Italian bread, Chardonnay, margarita, thallium, diet pills, a little cocaine. Did I mention marijuana? Um, oh, how about that? Neiman Marcus charge card. Oh, 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 and let's not forget Brad Pitt. Okay, so like... I've been there, done that, I have abused everyone, but having lost 685 pounds, I know food is what I can do really well. I have continually, my whole life, been obsessed about me. Everything's been about me. And so, um, it's always about how I look, what you think of me. It's all about that external outside, and it's all of us about getting that fixed. And I do know because I've gone to a lot of, I've gone to a few meetings and other programs when there wasn't an OA meeting available, and I do know that liquor is quicker, but I like that candy. Ooh, I like that. Because you could just have it in your pocket. You could eat it at church. You could eat it at, you could eat it at a business meeting. You could do your drug anywhere, anytime, and relatively surreptitiously, you know. So I just love to eat. And I loved sugar, and I loved what it did for me. So, what was it like, what happened, and what am I like now? When I came into this program, I was a selfish, self-centered, self-seeking, lying, cheating, stealing, finagling, very angry, B-I-T-C-H, who reacted to fear with anger and evil and horrible things to other people. 
I came into this program, and it, you know, my whole life was about food, food, food. So then I came into the program, and I started doing what you said. Now, I liked, I liked none of this, and I still don't like it, okay? But I just do it anyway. So what did I do? They said 90 meetings in 90 days. I did 90 meetings in 90 days, although I had to go to Hong Kong and I had to double up and I had to do, but I did it. You know what I mean? I was desperate. I was desperate because I was so unhappy. I probably made five times as much money as I make now. I probably had five times as many possessions. But I was just so empty and so unhappy and I didn't have enough of anything. So I really tried my best at this program. I, um, one of the things I did was I started doing service right away because, remember, I'm lying, cheating, stealing, conniving. And so I came in and I heard people say, you know, when I first came to meetings, I would go, I, I would come late and leave early. I thought, I'm a tough you know, I'm going to come early and I'm going to leave late. I'm going to not be a wimp. I'm going to show them like I'm really totally cool. But inside I felt so ugly and so unacceptable. I didn't want anybody to see me. And I said, what in the heck am I going to do if I come to a meeting early? I don't want to talk to any of you because you'll see what a loser I am. And if you don't start vomiting immediately, you're going to turn around and run out the door. Anybody that saw my insides would certainly see that. So I said, what the heck can I do? I said, I know. I'll help out. And I got, early, got there early and I said, well, um, how can I help out? Can I help set up the chairs? And that way I got to be there 10 minutes early and my entire conversation with everybody else was, do I put four or five chairs in a row? You know, and nobody got to see me. You see what I mean? The end of the can I help pack up the literature? Well, do I put the pamphlets with the hard copy books? You know, this is what my conversation was. I continually just got active and did things. And what happened is all of you started looking at me and saying, you know, she's kind of okay. She's helping us out. And here I thought that I was fooling you and pulling a quick one on you, and I started practicing service. And I started giving away a little bit of what I didn't want to give away. And I was able to open up and receive from you. So, my food. Let me talk a little bit about my food. I, my bottom line abstinence is I love myself. What does that mean? That means that I don't cut people off in traffic. I try not to people cut off people when they're talking, although you know I have the most important thing to say. Um, and when people cut me off in traffic, I have to say a prayer for them. When people really do me dirty, when people really do things to me that are mean and not nice, not only do I pray for them, but I pray for them and I mean it. Now, this was not my idea. Now, the only reason I can do this is I have a sponsor. I've always had a sponsor. I remember something very terrible happened to me, and I was so proud about two weeks after it happened, I said to my sponsor, you know, I went to my temple, and I put her name down on the list of people to pray for. You know, like, I'm not thinking evil thoughts about her, and I'm not saying evil thoughts about her. I'm having everybody pray for her, including me. And she said, well, that's good. Now, next time, why don't you pray for her and mean it? 
so you know I acted as if. My second line of abstinence is I do nothing perfectly. Absolutely nothing. So that has taken the pressure off so much of my life. I just can't believe it. You know, um, and the third thing is I don't start over. You know, having succeeded at every diet out there, including getting shocked by Schick, I don't know if any of you have done that, <laughs> but I really haven't touched Oreos since. I just found chocolate substitutes. But anyway, um, didn't do those Oreos again. Um, um, <laughs> I have succeeded at everything, and I can't start anything over, and I can't start this program over, and I work it one day at a time. And if one day isn't perfect, well, you know, I have a whole new day every day when I wake up. And by the grace of God and the gifts of this program and the 12 steps and the 12 traditions, I'm able to have the most beautiful, wonderful life beyond my wildest dreams. So what is it like today? Well, you know what? Today, I'm a selfish, self-centered, <laughs> Self-seeking, lying, cheating, conniving, gracious, grateful, recovering member of Overeaters Anonymous who now is proactive to my fear. I now face fear before it gets to me by doing service. And now I don't have to act on them most of the time, you know. I do nothing perfectly, so I get to do some things that aren't absolutely perfect, but I'm okay with that. I try very hard to work all of the steps, all of the traditions, and I cannot encourage any of you to go ahead and start doing some service above the meeting level. You'll have no idea what this will give you. Well, there's two kinds of service. Number one, I hope that every one of you has a sponsor. And if you don't, talk to me after the meeting. Okay, I have a little pet peeve, you know. I go to meetings and people say, well, the sponsors identify themselves. And people say, I'm full. I'm a compulsive eater. I don't know what full is. I've never known. And I don't imagine I ever will. So I guess God will just take care of it. So if you need a sponsor, you just talk to me because, you know, God's going to handle this. And it's going to work out fine. And you know, those sponsors save my life. Sponsees and sponsors. My sponsees save my life. I, you know, life is not easy now. Life still has challenges. But they don't overwhelm me. And I get by them. And at the end of the day, I am so grateful that I had that day. And I can't think of anything that in my life that could make it better. I really can't. I really feel so complete with what I have. It's just such an absolute perfect gift that I've gotten by doing service in this program. But I have my down days. And I, I was doing a bunch of traveling, and I was away from meetings, and I was away from fellowship. And I had my little four today, and I had my little lifeline, but I wasn't getting my program fixed. And I came back, and I said to the lady I work for, now... I, I, I worked for a person who, and I'll talk a little bit about my spiritual experience, I worked for a person who, it's wonderful, you know, she's in the same religion I'm in, we meditate before we have our meetings, and it's absolutely wonderful. So I, I say to her, you know, I'm feeling really out of sorts, I'm really upset, I don't know what to do, I think maybe, 
maybe I need to contact a professional therapist. I'm just feeling so unbalanced. And I'd only been back a day or so. I just said, I don't know if I can jump into work. I'm just not feeling right. I'm just so out of it. And two days later, I called her back. I said, I'm cool. I'm happening. Everything's okay. Pile the work on. I'm ready to go. She said, what did you do? Did you do a 62-minute meditation? I said, no. I talked to another overeater who needed some help. And that has been my secret, the bottom line secret to how to make this program work. You know, I never had enough fill in the blank, food, love, praise, blah, 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 blah. Who cares? I never had enough. Mostly I felt I wasn't loved enough. And one thing I feel that when I get out of myself, which is a job, okay, but when I get out of myself, and I don't want to do any of this, let me tell you, that phone rings at 7.30 in the morning, I see that caller ID, I say, oh, you know, I really do not want to hear that C-R-A-P again, but I answer it. I mean, okay, I'm being honest. This is the way I feel. Not every day. Some days I feel like that. I hear it. And then I call my boss and say, my life is wonderful. Why? Because that sponsee at some moment needed something I had, and I let go of all those problems that I had, and I had to open my heart a little bit to give something of my program. And when I opened my heart, then the love from you and the rest of the world was able to come into it. And that's what keeps me nourished. That's what, that's what keeps me going in this program, that level of service. When I came in this program, I had, you know, succeeded every diet twice. I mean, I could tell you calories, carbohydrates, fats protein grams of every substance on the earth and probably tell you where sugar was on the label. Ta-da. Okay, great. Um, so I really didn't think I needed, I knew about the physical part. Oh, and I compulsive exercise too. I probably didn't tell you that, but you know, three hours, two hours of advanced aerobics for before I went to work every day. You know, okay, so I got to do it all. Um, now I do like 20 minutes a day. I feel cool. Okay, so um, I am... Um, I didn't have a religion. I didn't believe in God. I have a degree in, in psychotherapy. I have practiced psychotherapy. I have done a lot of work with it. I felt like I really didn't need to be shrunk again. So I said, oh, shit. I probably have that, that, um, that third-level spiritual thing that I need. And so I started looking at organized religions. And... Um, and I said to myself, well, you know, religion is only for people that aren't smart enough to do drugs, you know, because <laughs> <laughs> obviously they have less than, but there's another way to it. They don't have to do something as stupid and low class as having a religion and believing in God. And so, and then I said, but, you know, the people that really irritate me are those people who have to, like, strive for attention through their religious beliefs by like wearing some really weird outfit. <laughs> so my God has a sense of humor. <laughs> so here I am, and I belong to a religion that has me dressed like this, and it is the most wonderful thing that has ever happened to me. I, having just started this religion, I, um, I was doing some meditating. Now, 
If I meditate 30 seconds a day, I'm good to go, okay? That's not what I want to do, but I'm not perfect. And just having the intention to do it and sitting down and saying the third step prayer for a minute over and over, you know, that's okay. I'd like to do an hour, but you know, I'm not perfect. And I do what I can do, and I just work as many parts of this program that I can do. So I was first learning to meditate. I went to Hawaii with my kids, and I'm sitting on the beach. Now, my first sponsor, even today, who moved out of town, whenever I talked to her, she says, how was your son? Because my first year in program, it was all about him. He was not on the program. He was not doing what I thought he should be doing. He was totally out of it, and he was just making me crazy. Of course, most of the world was like this. The people at work weren't doing what I wanted. Nobody was doing what I wanted, and I don't know why, because I really felt in my heart of hearts, and I sometimes still feel it, that I really know what is the best for you and everybody else. In fact, I was asked to speak at a meeting, and I said, how should we introduce you? And I said, queen of the world. <laughs> Works for me. Whoops, 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 whoops. Okay. Okay, so, you know, I have those moments. I am a self-absorbed, self-seeking, lying, cheating, selfish, B-I-T-C-H, at the bottom of my core. But through this program, that's not the life that I live because I have a program of action and I don't act like that. So I'm on the beach and I'm doing my meditation and I was worrying about my son and all of a sudden this voice came to me and said, don't worry about him, I'll handle it. I said, hmm, this must be one of those spiritual experiences. And I have to tell you something. Twelve years later, the sponsor says, how's your son doing? I said, you know, it's the weirdest thing. I got 12 years of abstinence, and he got his life together. What do you think? I can't figure it out. And I don't know what he did differently. <laughs> so, you know, it's all about 12 steps. 12 traditions, 8 tools. I'm going to give my last little pitch for service above the meeting level because if you help out at meetings, everybody thinks you're a nice person. <laughs> everybody thinks, oh, she's so nice. Okay, so then you can help out above meetings. When you help out sponsors, when you, sponsees, when you help out newcomers, you know, you're really opening your heart and and you're letting your higher power talk through you. And if you remember to listen, ah, uh, operant word, listen. If you remember to listen to what that higher power is saying, you're going to get everything you ever needed to handle that day and the rest of your life. And it's going to come out of your mouth, but not from here. It's coming from your heart and from your higher power. So when I do service above the meeting level, I find a whole new skill. I was very active and very powerful and still do a lot of stuff in the business world. I just do it for a nonprofit organization and do it for the good of humanity as opposed to a lot of money. Uh, but it's the same thing, you know, it's the business world. And let me tell you, put on one of these conventions, do an intergroup event, do an assembly with us eight or ten other compulsive overeaters. And let me tell you, you will have a skill set that you can bring into any company, any corporation, anywhere, that'll make you such a success. Because, you know, we're all addicts. We're all sick. We all have our challenges. 
But, you know, that's what I've learned. And, you know, I feel like when I'm working with you guys, like I can't pull the same SHIT. I pull other places because you already know, A. And, B, I all feel you're going to be saying, well, bet you she's going to have to write a letter about this. You know? <laughs> that's what my daughter says. God bless her. I started bringing her to meetings when she was 10 years old. She didn't understand. I had taken... I was a business traveler, and I had, you know, towels and silverware and coffee pots. And you know how it is when you stay at hotels. You just, they just jump in your suitcase. So I had a lot, a lot of trouble there when I was writing the letter to the Waldorf. You know, every other letter I wrote, I said, I'm sorry. I took seven towels, six washcloths, blah, blah, blah. How can I make this up to you? I went to the Waldorf. I said, I took, and then I crossed out, and I said, you know, if you sent me two more knives, I'd have a complete service for eight. You know? Okay, but you know, I didn't say that, and my daughter even says now, because remember who I am, selfish, self-centered, self-seeking, lying, cheating, stealing, so I start to do things, and my daughter says, Mom, you know, if you do that, are you going to have to write one of those letters? I say, ah, thank you, and that's what keeps me on my path. I'm not God now. I don't have all these wonderful thoughts of being magnanimous and giving you everything. I still think a lot about me, 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 me. Okay, but I don't act on it. I don't act on it. I act on what can I give and know that the universe is going to give back to me whatever I need because I'm taken care of. I am so covered. You know, I'll end this on the food. I don't have to worry about my food anymore. Now, you're not going to believe this. I forgot about breakfast this morning. I was doing my yoga and meditation, and I totally had, I got here at 9 o'clock. I'm saying, where's, where, what's going on? Everybody's been eating for an hour. Now, is that a blessing? That doesn't mean I'm not a compulsive overeater. That does not mean that my daughter actually reprimanded me for public behavior at restaurants. She says, Mother, you know, when most people are at restaurants and the waiter brings their food, they continue the conversation with whatever they're having, and they kind of look up at the waiter and nod an acknowledgement, thank you, and they go on with their conversation. You drop everything and say things, oh, goody, 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 I love it, that looks so great. You know, that's what I do. I'm a compulsive overeater. You know, and so that's what I do. So I'm not cured. I have a daily reprieve because I'm here and I'm trying to give what I have to you because I have never had such a blessing. I have never had such a joyous and free life. I have had every one of the promises come true. Okay, well, I could do something about these wrinkles right here. You know, that's, you know, let's just think. Um, but other than that, my life is absolutely perfect, and I've had a lot of people tell me that they don't even notice themselves. Thank you all so much for letting me share. It's been a privilege and an honor. Thank you. Okay. Hi, I'm Regina. I'm a compulsive overeater. Awesome. 
Uh, it's uh, wonderful to be here. I want to thank all of the artists, musicians who came forward to just, just give us so much music. Carol M and Dean and G and Bob, the people who just spontaneously stepped up to the piano and gave us some love. Um, and all those people who participated in karaoke and, and dance last night, it was just fabulous. All these people, we just sang together twice. The, the words are pretty simple. Recovery, sweet music for the soul. Recovery, sweet music for the soul. So give us a couple of chances to sing it, and, uh, and you'll pick it up. And we'll see how can.
thank everyone who read, moderated, and spoke throughout this convention, as well as all of you who volunteered for all the other service opportunities this weekend. Your assistance has made this weekend a great success, and we couldn't have done it without you. Could everyone who participated in any way please stand up? Look at the numbers! Yeah! Woo! It takes a village, that's right. You see, it's not just the committee that puts on the convention, it's all of you that puts on a convention. I also want to thank once again the phenomenal 2006 convention committee. And not everyone's in the room, but if you could just stand at your seats if you are in the room. Don is our treasurer, Judy, our hotel liaison, Mike Program, Kay Suzanne and Renee volunteers. Stay standing, please. Um, Shirley Fundraising and T-shirts, Christine and Bonnie Hospitality, Judy M. Newcomers, Pat Internal and External Publicity, Bill Printing, Laverna and Regina Entertainment, Alethea Signs, Cheryl and Cindy Registration, Nancy Literature, Terry Security, Rebecca, Young People, Ian Webmaster, Kim Secretary. Let's give them all a big hand. So, this is it. This is kind of the end, and David already talked a little bit about this, but um, right now you might be experiencing many different feelings, feelings of happiness. Maybe you're feeling a little anxious or perhaps a little sad that this experience has to end. For the remainder of this day, I think I'm reading this more for me than for you, <laughs> remember to be kind and gentle to yourself. Take a few moments of quiet time and reflect on this weekend. You will always have it in your heart and to help you on your journey of recovery. And remember, you'll always have a special bond with the members that you've met this weekend. Uh, is Kay Suzanne here? Yes, where are you? Oh, Kay Suzanne, will you please come and read our closing taken from the last two paragraphs of the 12th step in the OA 12 and 12. This is my all-time favorite reading. <laughs> I'm Kay Suzanne, and I'm a compulsive reader. We who began working the steps in order to recover from compulsive overeating, compulsive eating, excuse me, now find that through them we have embarked on a lifelong journey of spiritual growth. From the isolation of food obsession, we have emerged into a new world, walking hand in hand with our friends and our higher power. We are now exploring this world using the great spiritual principles embodied in the 12 steps as a map to guide our way. We gratefully follow in the footsteps of many others who have walked this way before us and we're gratified to be making footprints of our own for others to follow. Those of us who live this program don't simply carry the message. We are the message. Each day that we live well, we are well. And we embody the joy of recovery, which attracts others who want what we found in OA. We're always happy to share our secret, the 12 steps of O'Readers Anonymous, which empower each of us to live well and be well one day at a time. 